Hi, this is Unsuitable with Mary B. Seyfried, the podcast where I interview single Christians about their lives and faith. Hey, everyone. This week, my friend Rob and I talk about community within the church. Community is a bit of a buzzword. It sometimes feels like one of those words that has been used so much, we don't necessarily think about what it means or what we mean when we use it. Maybe you hear the word community and you feel all warm and fuzzy. Maybe you hear it and it gives you hives or makes you roll your eyes because you've experienced it as just one more thing you're obliged to do. If you're in a season of feeling discouraged or disillusioned in community, I hope this conversation will resonate with you. Rob and I are going to talk through some good and less positive experiences in church community, uh, fitting in and exclusivity. Here's a little bit about Rob. Rob was raised in both New England and New York, yet somehow pronounces ours and only argues about sports as much as a normal, healthy person. He's lived in New York for several years now and works in financial services, but his real passion is eating at the best restaurants in the city that only have a single dollar sign in their Yelp ratings. He can usually be found complaining about how much he dreads running and running in Central Park. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Rob. Hey, Rob. Welcome. Hey, what's up? Thanks for being here. Glad to do it. On this Monday evening in Manhattan. Um, so growing up in Connecticut suburb area, bouncing around Connecticut, can you tell me about a positive experience that you had um, in community in general? I mean, you can talk about a specific type of community, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I would say I had a great youth group experience growing up, mm-hmm. um, and we had pretty good youth leaders there. Um, a lot of them I still uh, talk to every couple of weeks maybe, which for me is pretty frequent. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would say one of our youth group leaders, uh, he's a pastor now somewhere in Virginia. Um, we still exchange a lot of emails and talk about like what's going on in our lives and I'm not very open with a lot of people I deal with day to day, but with mm-hmm. like this dude, um, he's a guy I trust. Uh, we have a lot of like shared background, mm-hmm. common interests. So um, it's just very easy to be open with them and tell them like what's going well with me and things I'm struggling with and mm-hmm. just, you know, life updates. Yeah. That's really cool that you have that um, connection still with a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. You have someone that you are still connected with, that you're still close with, that you have that, um, the time put Mm -hmm. in with that relationship, Mm -hmm. because that's such a, I think that's such a hard thing to come by in New York because people just move all the time. Um, you're part of a community group here Mm -hmm. in New York. Um, has that been hard for you as far as like cultivating a community here, cultivating those types of friendships? Yes and no. Um, I think a lot of the people I've met with, um, the community group experiences, uh, they have, because we're on the Upper East Side, um, worked for one of the hospitals, and they're usually only here for like two or three years, Mm -hmm. um, and then they go off to whatever their next rotation is. They have, I've always kept in touch with them, Mm -hmm. um, and then the couple people who have stayed in the city uh, for, you know, the long run, I definitely keep in touch with them, Mm -hmm. um, and... I've been in two community groups now. One of them had to dissolve just because everyone moved away. Right. And I currently lead one um, that I think we started meeting a couple months ago, and it's been a great experience. Everyone there is just 
absolutely awesome. I love hanging out with them every Tuesday. Um, I think we were, we got very comfortable with each other very quickly. Everyone, mm-hmm. you know, it's just very mature, very um, trusting, I think. That's a key one there. Um, and we have just enjoyed, uh, you know, sharing with each other and um, talking about, you know, what we thought about the sermon or what yeah. um, what's just going on in our lives and what sort of like prayers we need. Yeah, that's really cool. I had a similar experience with my first community group, especially where everyone just seemed to buy in and everyone wasn't interested in having like super, I don't know, like Jesus-y conversations. Right. If you know, like we, we talked about, you know, Jesus and the Bible and all of that stuff, but not in a very like Christianese kind of yeah rehearsed right answer kind of way, Mm -hmm. um, which was a really cool experience for me coming in. Would you say that you you mentioned a a couple different types of relationships in the context of church? Is that where you've generally found a lot of close friends? Most of the small groups I've been in, whether we've called them small groups or community groups or life groups. Right, right. (laughs) They They have all sorts of trendy names that they go by. Yeah, but, you know, they all end up being the same thing, which is, like, a way to get connected outside of that massive, like, 1,000-person large auditorium. Right. Um, One of the men's groups I had in a church when I was living in Virginia, um, they, I I don't think I would have had the experience in my mid-20s I had, had it not been for that group. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was just a group where we just, you know, be guys um, and just talk about the things that uh, we struggled with, the things that, um, you know, we wanted to celebrate. And Mm. um, it's, it just was a very unique thing every week um, to have that one experience of a few hours where you're surrounded by guys that you trust and that you know, and that um, you get along with, Mm. um, that you can be honest with. And, um, you know, just guys that, you know, are, pretty cool too. I just thought individually each of them were pretty cool people and I would have been friends with any one of them individually, but it just so happened that, you know, we got together in a group and it was just a very, um, encouraging couple of hours every week. And I always had, um, I've always had jobs that, you know, I've probably have taken more seriously than I needed to. I'm just mm-hmm. a type A person. So, <laughs> yeah. um, it's always good to have that. Which is very New week. York. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool that you've been able to cultivate that pretty much wherever you've been, it sounds like. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe could we shift gears a little and you tell me about a time you felt unsuitable in in a community context? Uh, yeah, so I think this was right after college. Um, and I graduated around the time of like uh, the mid to late 2000s. I forget what year even. Um, that's how long ago it was. Uh, <laughs> Distant memory. Yeah, my yeah. reunions many were a long time ago. ago and I did not go to any ago. of them. <laughs> um, but it was during the Great Recession. And um, just we, I had a business degree. So a lot mm-hmm. of us just weren't finding jobs. Um, yeah. Eventually I found one. But even then the um, start date was like really delayed. Mm-hmm. I think I had to wait like a year and a half before I started. Wow. Um, and I knew that. So in the meantime, I just took a couple of odd jobs, mm-hmm. um, temps around and decided to actually do something useful. So I got, um, connected with the church I started going to, mm-hmm. um, did a lot of work with the youth group there, the middle schoolers mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like for most of my life, 
uh, I feel like I was able to fit in everywhere I went. Yeah. Um, high school, college, wherever. Um, it just was pretty easy, I thought, to meet new people and make friends and generally be liked uh, mm-hmm. and generally just be heard and appreciated. Right. Yeah. Uh, but this was a little bit different. Um, I just never felt like I really, uh, fit in or broke through any of the walls and Hmm. it was just a different experience than I'd ever been used to in the past. Yeah. So this church, uh, that I went to, um, you know, they did some really good things. Uh, they were a huge part of the community and they were always trying to find ways to positively impact the entire city or the entire area. Yeah. Um, something happened in our town that made the news and, you know, we just, um, it was tough for everyone and it was, you know, a pretty bad event, but this church did a really good job of um, doing exactly what a church should do during like a difficult time. Yeah. Um, they were there to just provide support. Um, mm-hmm whether it was emotionally, financially, or um, any number of ways to uh, people during times of struggle. So they, I I would say in terms of community involvement, they did a great job. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially with the youth group too, I thought they did a really good job of changing lives. Um, They really wanted to make sure that all the students that got through into the youth group program were um, connected with mentors and um, just shown a good example and just <laughs> had their time occupied by good things. Yeah. Yeah. And cultivating relationships with, you know, people they could talk to, it sounds like, mm-hmm. and, um, people they could go to if they had like mm-hmm. needed advice who maybe weren't their parents. Um, which is a good thing I think for youth groups mm-hmm. to do. It's very yeah. important age. Yeah. Um, and the whole experience of, um, volunteering with the youth group was, for me, very um, rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like I was, you know, actually making a difference, and I felt like I really got plugged into the church then. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I felt like I was really part of the church at that moment. Yeah. So you had those good experiences and mm-hmm. good relationships. It sounds like that you built, um, you know, within like the church and how it related to the community, how you were able to relate to youth. Um, but that wasn't the case for every mm-hmm. context or every relationship that you mm-hmm. had at that church, right? Yeah. So uh, being a 20-something-year-old, I didn't want to spend all my time hanging out with middle schoolers no. as much as they were <laughs> As amazing awesome. as they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I wanted to you know, hang out with people that I was in a similar stage of life with. Yeah. Um, so I really tried to get plugged into the uh, young adult um, ministry. They call it the young adult ministry, but it was mostly just, you know, young adults hanging out. Right. Um, when you say young adults, that's like post-college mm-hmm. or would it include college students? Um, we didn't really have a lot of college students cause they were okay. off at college. Right. Right. So they, uh, when they came back, yeah, they were be we're, part of that. Part of it, yeah. But it's not like you were living in a college town. That's what oh, I no. was thinking of. Yeah. Okay. This was a small city. So it was like, Young adults, a.k.a. people who had just graduated mm-hmm. semi-recently through mm-hmm. age. Probably 30 was probably the cutoff. 30, yeah. yeah. Okay. And even then, you're probably the old guy there. <laughs> so the young adult ministry, um, I tried really hard to get plugged in there. Um, we did 
everything that I thought was the right way to, you know, make friends and Mm -hmm. had worked for most of my life um, up to that point. But I never really felt like they ever embraced me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I was in my early 20s and maybe I was just dumb. Um, Maybe (laughs) I was just um, using tricks that were cool in high school and college, but wasn't cool anymore when you're 22. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could have just had a warped awareness of where I fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could tell pretty quickly that this group was not really embracing me. Um, and it's not like they were like openly hostile, but, um, they just seemed very good at passively excluding me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it felt like this war of social attrition and if you <laughs> ignore this one person enough maybe they just go away hmm. um, and the first time I noticed it uh, was maybe just in my first few months of really trying to get connected mm-hmm. and I, I know a lot of people have probably gone through this but this was for me like one of the first times it really was um, was apparent to me so mm-hmm. I would get connected and go to a bunch of events and um, just really try to like volunteer or just be part of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would sometimes introduce myself to the same people like two or three times mm-hmm. before they even had the guts to say like, hey, I remember I met you somewhere, but I forgot your name. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I was pretty active. So I felt like, you know, if you'd seen me three or four times, you'd probably know me by then. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of got used to it. And um, I even started playing this game where <laughs> like on my third or fourth encounter with someone... And it was clear they still didn't recognize me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'd say hi. They'd introduce themselves. Um, and I'd say, oh, good to see you. And, you know, we'd chat for five minutes, just small talk. And I would give them no indication that we ever met before. And then right as they leave, I'll say something like, well, it was great to see you again. And by the way, you look really tan. You must have a great time in Cancun last week. Mm-hmm. Glad to see you enjoyed your vacation, especially since you were so excited about it when you mm. described it to me last week. Right. Have a great evening. Yeah. Um, and I just loved the look of confusion on their face. Oh my gosh. They were probably like, who are you? What is, are you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what is happening to me right now? But clearly you were like making an effort to get to know these people and you knew things about their lives. And so you like had these types of conversations with mm. them before and they just weren't necessarily, I, I don't know. Do you feel like it was um, the group that was there, like they were, they had been friends for a long time, like that it was sort of an exclusive group and maybe you were like sort of new and maybe that was one of the barriers? There was some of that, but I did see other new people come in and get embraced pretty quickly. Hmm. So, I mean, that just, I I think that um, being the new guy wasn't necessarily the challenge there. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I just thought about a bunch of other things. Like, is there something wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Like, um, for most of my life, everyone seemed to like me and now they don't, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the rest of the world doesn't change that much. So it must be me. Was I not doing something? Was I doing something wrong? Mm -hmm. Um, why was I like all of a sudden, you know, for lack of a better phrase, not good enough. Mm -hmm. And why do I not fit in anymore? Mm. Yeah. That's, that sounds like a really frustrating experience. I mean, I've had similar kind of interactions with groups of people as well. Um, and that thing of like 
all of these people are reacting to me in the same way. So there must be something Mm -hmm. wrong with me. Do you feel like you maybe had like some strategies or ways that you kind of tried to diagnose that problem? (laughs) Because I think you're probably a pretty strategic person. Very. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My my entire life is based on like game theory, basically. (laughs) So, um, well, speaking of theories, uh, I had a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, You know, I just, I spent basically like a year trying to figure this out. Yeah. Um, And this is... Just gonna sound so weird, but this is how I approach a lot of problems. This is how I also approach problems. Like very strategic, <laughs> very like I'm going to figure this out, and yeah. you're going to like me. I'm going to figure out the magic formula. Yes, yeah. exactly. I'm gonna yeah. find your weak spot, and yeah. then you're going to be friends with me. Right, right. So you know, I like approach this as like the science experiment. Um, of course, done with like a billion factors, no control, and just right. purely qualitatively. So. Not really a good science experiment. Right. Um, but like you said, my first thought was maybe I was just the new guy. Um, maybe if I give it time, I just keep being friendly, um, just keeping, you know, um, an approachable, friendly person, mm-hmm. empathetic, mm-hmm. listen to people, um, just show them that I care, that mm-hmm. um, that would maybe change and maybe I'd finally, like, make friends with these people or at the very least have someone remember my name. Mm-hmm. Which to, is just like the lowest bar yeah. to have someone remember your name. Yeah, when well, you know, set low bars yeah. and jump high yeah. over them. Right, right, right. <laughs> like set it really low and then you're not disappointed, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're just, you know, you're crushing it then. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I tried that, but like, so two years later, uh, I mean, maybe a year and a half, I don't know, but um, people still don't, re- still don't really remember um, hmm. who I am. Mm-hmm. Like I would have to repeat my name, what I did for a living and... Um, hmm like cite the last time we spoke, Mm -hmm. even though like I've literally been serving them, um, at church or even doing personal favors, like, um, car, like I would volunteer to drive every time we used Mm -hmm. carpool. Mm -hmm. Um, like we'd have each other's phone numbers and be connected on social media, which means so much of course. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and still nothing. So Mm. I I don't really think time or newness was the the primary issue. Mm -hmm. Um, I also thought maybe, um, was I involved too much? Um, mm-hmm. Was I just like becoming background noise? Mm-hmm. Like if everyone saw me at every event and I said hi every time, then mm-hmm. they may just look at me like, you know, one of those um, people that just volunteer a lot and are mm-hmm. passing out stuff. And you know what they do and you know their face and that's good enough. You're at least, you know, basically familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like... After a little while, I even started to pare back a little bit. Um, and I thought, like, if you don't notice me, then maybe you notice that I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't work either. Mm-hmm. So, like, this got really um, way too analytical. I never <laughs> thought this way too much. And I even settled to the fact that, like, maybe people are just really shallow. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of embarrassing, but... Um, I, <laughs> I said, like, okay, if they're shallow, then maybe, like, I'll just look good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I started dressing up better for church. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I hit the gym a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, I was, I worked out growing up most of the time like, yeah. throughout my, you know, youth and college. But yep. um, I, like, really hit the gym at that mm-hmm. point. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, I still remember to this day, uh, there was this one beach trip that um, a bunch of us went on. Yeah. And um, I'm by no means like an A-list actor looking kind of person, (laughs) but um, 
neither was anyone else there. <laughs> right. 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 So, you know, I'm like, you're all just like human beings. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. for the most part, I'm yeah. within the normal bell curve. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, I didn't have a hairy gut, not to say there's anything wrong with it. And, you know, I was, you know, taller than average, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So I remember there was this picture, um, that was taken of me and this one other guy. This one of the guys, actually one of my good friends there. Um, uh-huh. um, and one of the few guys that I actually considered like someone that um, I trusted and someone that um, uh, knew me well. So um, both him and I, at that point, we were probably in the best shape of our lives. Um, so I remember this picture was taken right out of, we got right after we got out of the water. And someone's just like, hey, hey, uh, uh, say cheese or whatever they said. And, you know, we just got out of the water and we see the uh, the camera. And we're both like pretending like we're not aware of the camera right, and that right. we're not flexing as like, hard as we oh, could. Oh, yes, this is just a casual picture. Yeah, I'm you know? just standing here normally looking cool. Oh, yeah, these arms. Yeah, yeah. I was born with these. Right, yeah. right. Um, so... <laughs> If I ever, like, found that photo of me anywhere, I would, like, untag it so quickly because it was just, just that embarrassing, yeah, like, yeah. Um, I guess, posing. Right. Um, so that picture, though, you know, I think we looked pretty good. And I thought, like, all right, now people will remember <laughs> They're me. They're going to notice Right? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whoever did that photo album later on posted it on Facebook. And, of course, I'm not tagged in, like, 90 of the, 90% of the photos that I'm in. Uh-huh. Um, the one with the abs, yeah. But, yeah. like, at that moment, I just realized, like, look, if, like, a six-pack can't make me memorable, then I don't think vanity is the right. issue. Right, um, So, like, I had thought about a lot of these different things. Yeah, well, and it seems like that it feels like a very human reaction to what you were experiencing. Like, I I feel like even if people aren't necessarily conscious of making these sorts of decisions where they're like, oh my gosh, I just, I really want friends and I want to be part of this group, but they are not getting it. So maybe if I'm funnier, maybe if I like Mm -hmm. accentuate this part of my personality, maybe if I just do nice things for them, maybe Mm -hmm. if I like change the way I look, then I'm going to like be accepted by this group. I think that's a very like very human um, response Mm -hmm. to what you were experiencing. But I'm sure that you seem like the type of person who would not have just been like thrown up your hands and been like, well, I guess we'll just never know. (laughs) (laughs) So were there some like conclusions that you reached? Um, Well, what you just described, like literally encapsulated all the strategic plans I had and they all failed. Um, So there is this one thing um, that I didn't really consider at first because I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this. Uh, I'm not part of the dominant like racial group of that church. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being a minority in America means you're always aware of marginalization mm-hmm. um, and how it could be based on race. Mm-hmm. And then you have to just kind of choose whether or not you give people the benefit of the doubt or not. Yeah. Um, I did initially, and I realized, um, well, I really wanted to believe that it was something else. Um, mm-hmm. But over time, it was harder and harder to rationalize. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, I mean, to this day, I still don't know if that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some events that, you know, pushed me closer and closer to that conclusion. 
Um, I don't know if I fully got there, but I do right. remember the lowest point was um, one time they needed to do this uh, major outreach event, and they asked me to be part of a montage video. Mm-hmm. I found out later that they had asked another guy of my same race. Mm-hmm. The day before, but mm-hmm. he was too busy to film for them. Mm. So they asked me after that. Mm. And the whole thing was to create this sense of diversity there, yeah. um, which, you know, was more of an illusion, I thought. Right. Non-existent. Yeah. Basically. So, exactly. So yeah. as far as I'm concerned, um, this kind of confirmed some of my suspicions. Um, and, you know, like I never wanted to be like on some sort of like montage video um, in front of the whole congregation. But. I think the thing that upset me the most was that, you know, I was doing a lot of volunteer work and Mm -hmm. spending a lot of time um, doing things for the youth group. And they, you know, were happy to use me as like a face of, um, a face of diversity there, but Mm -hmm. um, didn't want to really mention, you know, like any of the youth group activities I was volunteering with. So... You know, to me, it felt like they were just using me to portray an image mm-hmm. or do volunteer work with, like, you know, the more difficult kids or, like, if they had some fetishistic question about the culture I grew up with, mm-hmm. like, that's when I was, you know, useful to them. Mm. So I guess I kind of realized at that point or believed at that point that no matter what I did, I was just kind of, I guess, unsuitable for... um the people around me and Hmm. after like years of observation and even attempting strategy I kind of came to the assessment that it was something I just didn't really have any control over Hmm. Um, and that just was tough to believe it was tough to accept um, and it kind of put me in a resentful place Mm -hmm. I mean I was at that point I just thought like well forget these people I don't like them anyways with a few exceptions, um, and kind of just accepted that that church didn't really welcome me. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's such. I know that that stuff happens in churches everywhere, right? And it's not even necessary. It's not exclusive to churches. It's like anytime there's a group of people gathered, there's going to be. Um, the chance that there's some sort of outsider that's not being considered, that's not being um, included, that's not being brought in. And it's just very frustrating. Um, Do you feel like your faith was affected at that time because of that experience? Or do you feel like maybe your faith was kind of um, like a rock in that time that you were able to sit point to and say, well, I have this thing, I have this faith. Um, so this stuff is not necessarily going to affect me as much. Um, yeah, I think one thing where it helped my faith that is, um, where it really helped me was, um, it allowed me to continue working with the youth group and, Mm -hmm. um, focusing on that, um, and still devoting time to it. Like, I don't think during any of these experiences did I ever say, like, well, I'm just going to stop, like, teaching Sunday school this mm-hmm. week and really show them. Like, mm-hmm. that was never part of the equation. Never even considered it. Yeah. Um, I knew that whatever I was experiencing with the other young adults in the group um, was, you know, kind of distinct and um, 
it was its own, I guess, dimension of my experience with the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still wanted to make sure that I, uh, you know, I was still productive, I guess, um, and helping out and um, just useful for God. Yeah. What would you say to someone like you, someone who comes to a church and experiences this type of exclusivity? Because I know it happens yeah. all over, all the time. Well, um, I think the first thing I would say is no church is perfect. And any organization with human beings in leadership, mm. uh, which is all of them, I think, mm-hmm. will be imperfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, I was very willing to forgive and tolerate these things that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, when the whole congregation, though, like empowered the wrong people and enabled them to have their bad behavior, um, mm-hmm. that's when I was a little bit resentful mm-hmm. um, of the church as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I just felt like that's the type of behavior that pushes out the very people that you know you want to bring into church. Right. Um, I would also say that. Um, you probably want to at least be a little bit more cognizant that um, there are people out there mm-hmm. like me who are in that position. And mm-hmm. as long as you're aware of that and proactively doing something to make people feel more inclusive or make people feel more included, mm-hmm. I think you're going to at least um, start addressing the issue. Mm-hmm. Like just know that it is an issue. Right. Yeah. And I think about this um, as far as you know, people tend to uh, congregate or collect themselves in groups that are similar in how they look and how they think and how they feel. Um, but the church is really supposed to be something altogether different, something that's totally countercultural, that's something that's totally um, goes against what we necessarily instinctively do as humans, but what's actually very good for us and what actually is what we were created to to do and experience. And that is to be a, a group of people that is different, but that that cares for each other and that loves each other and that serves each other. Um, and then, you know, because of that can like face outwards and serve the world and serve the community. I know that I'm not innocent in this regard, um, because I'm also a human being. Um, but just as far as whether this is something that is a culture that can be created from the top down, or if this is something that individual congregants need to own, um, and just have that infuse the culture of the church, I don't really know which one's better. It probably depends on the church. Yeah, I, I, I would agree that it depends on the church and just the leadership and the people who are there. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't know how this would have been, you know, solved. I mean, not that it was, you know, something to be solved, but mm-hmm. um, I don't really know how this would have been any different. Um, I think mm. you could ask each individual person there to like be more friendly and, you know, like talk to the new guy more, but that's <laughs> obviously not really a right. easy solution or, you know. Right. Well, and I think it's also too, you know, thinking about who Jesus paid attention to. And it was always like the 
well, not always, because he talked to, you know, everyone. He talked to the Pharisees. He talked to, you know, the religious leaders as well. But I think that he focused his attention on the people who were falling through the cracks, the people who nobody was listening to and nobody was paying attention to. Um, And I think that that's, you know, a powerful example. And I I don't know. I, I think, too, that everyone has experienced some sort of exclusion in their lives, right? Mm-hmm. So to kind of talk about it in a way that touches on that um, and challenges people to, to not be that person, mm-hmm. you know? So give me one highlight takeaway of something that you learned through this experience. One thing. Ooh, um... I, well, if there's one thing I would say, it's that, um, if I had not already been a Christian at that time, Mm -hmm. um, and I was just there to like explore, you know, like if I had some question about faith or some bad thing that happened to me that, you know, brought me back to the church for one week and I just want to see what this is all about again. Mm -hmm. Um, and I encountered those people and they didn't make me feel like I was at all acceptable to them or suitable. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I probably would have just walked out. I, that mm-hmm. probably would have confirmed to me that, um, these Christians are no different than anyone else mm-hmm. that because their faith, um, hasn't changed their behavior, that their faith was phony. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think how many people every single week in America are going to church and have that experience and mm-hmm. never go back to church. Yeah. Um, how many people do I encounter every Sunday at my church who yeah. may be in that situation? Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, I think the most important thing that I learned was that, you know, look for those people. Yeah. You may never have another chance to um, talk to that person again. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe God put them there that day for a reason. Yeah. And maybe you're the person who is going to reach out and make them feel welcome. Yeah. Um, maybe that's, and however, like uncomfortable it is to talk to somebody new, right? That's maybe how Christ is going to work through you in somebody's life to Mm -hmm. just reach out and help them know that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's a really great challenge for everyone. I think, um, I feel like anyone who goes to church regularly could benefit from asking themselves that same question Mm -hmm. for sure. So as we wrap up, will you tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great? Um, I think the hardest thing for me right now, and this may be skewed because I just got out of work. <laughs> <laughs> work. Um, mm-hmm. I like my job. I like what we work on. Um, but sometimes um, I feel like there's just too much of it and everything's a priority 1A, mm-hmm. uh, which means that anytime you you know, put one thing ahead of another, you're inherently going to fail at 10 other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other challenge I have is, uh, I tend to be a very, I guess, like we said, a uh, type A person mm-hmm. and, um, I very high standards for myself. And I know that, um, not everyone is as, um, insane about, you know, getting things done perfectly and, um, critiquing their work as hard. So uh, I think a lot of the struggles I have these days are um, 
working with younger employees who may not have had, I guess, the great influences that I've had in my career mm-hmm. early on. Um, I had a lot of people who pushed me real hard and showed me what hard work and what a quality product really looked like mm-hmm. um, and how to really remove your ego and just ask every single question to really probe how good your work is. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people I work with don't necessarily have that um, outlook. So Yeah, I think that a lot yeah. of people don't have that outlook. I know. Just I, to, I'm just kind of... I, like, yeah, that's something that... That's something that my dad talks about a lot, that you just need to do that extra 5% that nobody else is doing, and that's what's going to make you exceptional at what you do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, just getting used to that's the toughest part, uh, I guess, of my day-to-day. Yeah. Well, what's one thing that's great? Life outside of work is pretty good. Um, I'm in a good CG. I have you know great friends at church, outside mm-hmm. of church. I have, you know... Strong relationships I had um, as a child that I still have. Um, I keep in touch with a lot of my good friends. Um, mm-hmm. My social schedule, I guess, is good because you know I can trust the friends I have to you mm-hmm. know, first of all actually show up. Yeah, um, I know that's remember hard. your name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they, you know, they're just easy to hang out with. And yeah, we can just spend an entire like night just watching basketball and. Um, talking about like completely meandering topics and, right you know just uh hang out yeah um it's getting warm now so i like to uh, get outside as much as i can mm-hmm. um, before it gets insanely hot before it gets insanely we're in that hot, nice yeah. like happy place between freezing and scorching yeah i think we get like three of those a day every yeah. year in New yeah York. right exactly well rob thank you so much for being here thank you that's all for this week Check back next week for a great conversation with Christina Spatero about how difference in relationship builds empathy. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Rob for sharing his story. Theme music is by Chad Rollinson and sound editing is by Andrew Kim. If you have any thoughts or want to engage on this topic further, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Or you can just go to my website, marybesafert.com. While you're there, feel free to subscribe to my newsletter. You'll get an email from me every other Wednesday with an exclusive message and direct access to content and resources I think you'll love. You can also shoot me a message by clicking on the contact me button. And you can always head over to Instagram and follow me at marybee.saferit. That's all for now. Check back next week for a brand new episode.